Hello everyone, I hope you're all doing great. I'm really excited about this new episode of SciCast. Since the beginning of SciCast, I wanted to have guests uh, to talk about their life, uh, how they come to the field and expertise and so on. So today I'm joined uh, by Nina Christine Hagen. Uh, so thank you very much for taking the time uh, for this interview. So how are you, Nina? Hi, and thank you for having me. Uh, I'm absolutely fantastic and so excited to be on SciCast and also to be the first guest. It's great to kick things off in this way and I'm excited for the future ones as well after me. For sure, we, we will have like a bunch of other guests, but you're the first one and I'm really, really happy I'm to honored. have you here. <laughs> so uh, Nina is the design manager at Nodalview. Uh, Nodalview turns your smartphone into a professional tool for real estate agents to make their own visual. Take your phone, a tripod and boom! In 20 minutes, you are done. The software and algorithms we touch and assemble everything to give you an immersive experience of your real estate. She's also creative director at Shikonomy. Shikonomy's mission is to bring about changes by addressing the gender gap, unconscious biases and gender stereotype both internally within organization and in the public square, politics and marketplace. In addition to that, she works as a freelance designer for different brands across the globe. Did I miss something? No, I think, <laughs> I think that's a great sum up of uh, yeah, what I'm doing. But I mean, there's always those uh, side projects that one has, but those are more personal. But I think work-wise, that's definitely uh, touching a point, all the ones I do, yeah. So Nina, you're Norwegian, you studied in London, and you're currently working in Brussels. There is a lot going on here, so can you give it a bit of background from where you are, uh, where do you live and so on, and just a little bit of your life? Yes, okay, I'll try and do this quickly. Um, so I am something that people call a third culture uh, individual, or TCK, so third culture kid. Okay, okay. Um, that, the definition of that is really that I've grown up most part of my life outside of the country of origin. So yes, I okay. am originally Norwegian, but uh, on my first birthday, uh, we moved to Hong Kong. Okay, that's, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> so quite the opposite side. Uh, yeah, sure. And then uh, we moved to Singapore after that, uh, back to Norway for two years. Um, so initially, like I've only lived in Norway two years of my life. Um, after that, we moved to Belgium, actually. So I lived okay. outside of Brussels and Waterloo for five years. And then from there, we moved to Switzerland. Uh, I was in uh, Geneva for four years, and then I went to a school in Lausanne for two years before I then graduated and moved to London. <laughs> I was, and then I've been there for, I was in London for eight years. So London's pretty much the place I've lived, the, well, it's the place I've lived the longest. So for me, mm. it's really home. Um, after being there studying and working, I then moved back to Brussels um, and then spontaneously a month ago moved to Antwerp, but I'm still working in uh, Brussels. But yeah, so uh, moving around is definitely uh, something I've grown up with, uh, kind of always been an expat and kind of just stayed from because I think I feel more comfortable in countries that are not where I'm from. <laughs> so that brings you like a lot of experience, uh, not design-wise but more like in life-wise if I say like different culture and so on yeah no, I think you definitely have um, you learn at a very young age to adapt to different cultures I mean me being like a blonde uh, little like two-year-old in the Chinese Montessori kind of like puts your life in perspective and you kind of just have to open up and adjust because 
you go to different countries, you're not going to infiltrate your like meaning and your culture into that country. You're going to adapt to it. Um, and so that's kind of like how I've grown up. And obviously it's different if you're, you leave um, or move somewhere at an older age, like an adult age. Whereas when you're a kid, you kind of grow up in it. So you just have to adapt. You just change. You're also changing yourself growing mm. up. So, but you're changing in different countries, which is actually a really, um, quite a mental experience when you think back on it, like how, when I think back on it, but it's definitely shaped to shaped me to who I am now. And um, I mean, at times I think, oh, it would have been great to have like, lived in one place, maybe move houses like down the street or something, and kind of had those lifelong friends from when you're young. Um, that is not my reality, but I think uh, I've managed to build those friends even though I haven't been based in one place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you made connections and so on, and yeah. friends. Even if it was like for a small amount of time at the same place, you still got the connection with I don't know, like social network, any yeah, kind of no, com communication. Like because we are living in 2021. Yeah. If I don't know if it would be the same in 1970, for example. No, no, like my parents moved to Korea actually when they were 20. Okay. Yeah, it's 19 and 20. My dad gave my mom the ultimatum. It's like either you stay and become a bioengineer or and finish your studies, or you come move to South Korea with me. And so she did. She quit her studies and leaped and moved to South Korea. But I mean, there's stories of having to like trying just to get normal shampoo or things that they were used to. Is like they had them having going to like the black markets as well as like that was the beginning of phones and stuff like this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so it's definitely different now than what it was back then for them. I mean, yeah. I mean, I can't. I, I don't know if I could do what they did, you know. But uh, I definitely look up to them for that. And they also built a family abroad, like away from their own family, you know, having kids and uh, yeah. I don't know. It's um, it's quite impressive. Yeah, it is, like, it is actually. Yeah. I <laughs> if mean, you look back, you're like, okay, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if I have That's the same uh, guts as them, but I do. I mean. I've also grown up moving, so for me, just to like take the spontaneous leap of moving to Antwerp. Uh, yeah. You know, it started off as a joke. I came here to see one friend, and the next weekend I saw another friend, and then jokingly at that dinner, I was like, oh, maybe I should move here. And then everyone takes out their phone, starts looking at apartment, and literally three days later, I took the apartment. So, I mean, <laughs> I then I I think it gives you the like the non. I, there's no fear, you know. Everything. Yeah. I have no fear in that sense, like. I know I knew one person and like one or two people when I moved to the city and but already now I've met so many. I think that's mm -hmm, also mm -hmm. a thing when you grow up abroad is that you you learn to having to like push yourself to get to know people and you know, step out of that fear of like, oh you know, like I'm shy or like maybe they won't like me or things like that. It doesn't matter if someone doesn't like you. It's just you have to go out and be you and see who like you can interact with and yeah, I, yeah. I love meeting new people and like exploring cities and stuff. Yeah, and just try or to make a connection with someone and if it's not going like great or well or whatever then it's fine you know because you're gonna move on and just maybe have another one like okay now that person is interesting I have like the same hobbies yeah. or whatever and you make a connection and you make friends like that exactly and maybe that one person that you like realize okay maybe we don't have that much in common like you meet their friend who is mm -hmm. like actually completely different but from to them from them but like actually closer to who you are and like what your interests are so yeah definitely I think it's just kind of like a domino effect to meet one then you can meet another yeah and then suddenly yeah you build this little network so yeah yeah that's my process now for this town 
because you moved around uh, the globe. Uh, if I take on my side, I didn't like move around. I always stayed in Brussels, you know, and that's completely different because in my case, I'm, maybe I'm more afraid to like move to another city to live. Uh, so I really like this kind of difference and it's really interesting in terms of different experience. Yeah. Uh, because I'm pretty sure I won't like do like, yeah, I have two friends in Antwerp and just like move over there, you know, like <laughs> I'm going to be like, yeah, but there is like a, is there a train station somewhere? Is there this and that? And like so many questions in my head would be like, I want to be comfortable, you know, like it's like, I think that on your side, it's more like I would be like uncomfortable at the beginning. Yeah. But I don't care, you know, like I'm going to figure it out at some point yeah. and just do my thing. I mean, if I didn't have such crazy parents who like supported like, those crazy ideas of mine, I probably wouldn't have, but I mean, there's obviously a lot of things that went through my head, like obviously work is in Brussels, but then realizing that train is so simple, it's, mm. I, I also moved here for feeling I had, like the first time I came to see a friend, I was like, we had this amazing day, um, the Jane, the Mission Star restaurant here, they were doing like a pop-up like outdoor where you could just... Yes, because obviously the situation now, they weren't yeah, open, yeah. but they kind of did this like barbecue thing. Um, and it was just like that whole day was just like, there's something about Antwerp that really called for me. Like, I just felt so happy when I was here. And so that crazy idea came from, like, also had so much of my heart um, and feelings. And, yeah, a good feeling. About yeah, it was just a good feeling. I mean, if I didn't have a good feeling, I wouldn't have done it, you know? <laughs> Like, if I was like, oh yeah, I know it's a nice city, but like, oh, it's, it's not like, wow. But for me, it was really like that feeling I had every time I came to Antwerp. I was like, I just felt at home and mm. it just, the city resonated way more with me than Brussels than does. Brussels, yeah. So I think that also gave it, made it really easy for me to just be like, you know what, it doesn't matter if I don't know any people, I'll make some friends, you know. I'll just go. I'll <laughs> just, just go see, and yeah. I'm going to figure it out anyway, so. Yeah, and also like when I saw the apartment, I was just like, I could already see myself living there and I think that's yeah, a yeah, huge yeah. thing. It kind of met those like very specific things I really want in the place where I'm living. Uh, but on top of that, I just, it was just so homey and really like, yeah, brought me back to the kind of apartment I had in London, which, yeah, I think I was missing a bit of like the homey feeling and yeah, Antwerp yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. gave me that. So it kind of just like was a magnet and pulled me in. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, the city was calling you. Yeah. Come, come, come to Antwerp with nice things here. Yeah. So uh, now that we know a little bit more about you, um, I would ask you a very simple question, but that maybe uh, will have a due spectrum of answers, which is uh, for you, what is design? Yeah, this is a whew, very simple but big question. Um, so, I mean, most people think design is, oh, they're just making like things look pretty or just making pretty things. But design, as much as it is art, it, it is also science. Um, there's cold and calculated processes uh, that determine things and yet you, we do make them pretty. But um, design is not allowed to fail, you know, we create something that is for use. Mm -hmm. Okay, sometimes yes, you have sculptures and paints which is just for viewing and things like that, but design really is um, such a broad spectrum, but it is 
really as much art as it is science in the sense that we are creating like now with NodeView, we're creating an app, user interface, a web app and a mobile app. This means that we need to understand how people uh, navigate and it like maybe for everyone, may not be for everyone. So it's really mm -hmm. a lot of science and thinking and uh, research as well and understanding psychology. And that, I think that's one of the things that really drew me into uh, what I do is, is the psychology behind it. Having to understand how people's brains work and the neuroaesthetics of how when a person sees something, doesn't matter what age, what you know, which culture, anything like that, when they see a shape, how does the eyes and brain react? Mm -hmm. You know, is it why are we more comfortable with structured shapes? Is because as humans, we grow up with nature. And okay, yes, even if you grow up in a big city, <laughs> you know, a cool it's city, still, it's still, still reflecting. So nature has soft, undetermined uh, forms. Yeah. Whereas that's why we. A lot of people like structural design is because it's not in the nature. Like yes, you have some uh, gemstones that uh, are that actually come out as uh, complete like squares, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is like a phenomenon in nature. But most na natural like objects are just undefined like there's undefined shapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's I think there's oh, there's so much I can talk hours about. <laughs> but um, we have time. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but it's definitely like design is so much more than what people think. I, I, def I think the one perception people have with design is, oh yeah, but they're just making something pretty. But it is not just that. This functionality, anything is designed really. The chairs that we're sitting on right now, you know, yeah, the yeah, desk, yeah. the microphone we're using, everything has been designed for a purpose. Um, so I think that's the shame of uh, a lot of people is that they don't really see or understand what it is. Uh, yet everything they touch and hold or wearing has been designed by someone. Yeah. Um, and I find like for the people who, okay, so I had I have this friend. She's uh, actually my godmother's daughter. And she's two weeks older than me, so we've like grown up together. And she's a super book nerd and loves history, you know, and really always debate. Like, I'm super intelligent, but she would always look down at me because I was creative. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And we lived together a couple years while we we're studying in London. And yeah, so she was studying history at King's, and I was studying design at St. Martin's. And she was just like, say comments like, oh, but you know, like, what are you going to do with that career, like, your degree, like, how are you going to have a career, you know, and all these things. And I'm like, you really do not understand what design is, do you? And she's like, yeah, but you just like, you know, create things. And I'm like, yeah, like, the books that you're reading at university are done by a designer. And that's when it clicked for her and she was like, oh wow, okay. <laughs> you know, I really just had to make it so obvious for her, like, the books that you're reading, you know, the ones you love and you talk about all the time, the cover, the typesetting, the currying, everything's done by a designer. Mm -hmm. There's actually scientific, like, uh, reasons behind it, you know, there's grid systems or all these things. And she's like, oh, oh, okay. And I'm like, yes, I'm not stupid. <laughs> Designers aren't stupid, we're actually really clever. And we see things that you don't even see yourself. Yeah, because you, you you think ahead and also like ev every object uh, that you use or touch or handle or whatever that you are doing with it was made by someone and that person just give like 100% of uh, themselves to say, okay, for example, that chair will look like this, your hands will be like this on the chair, you're gonna be comfortable or not, or do this kind of position because of this or that. And it's way more than just 
taking one shape and do something with it. And that's something that I really like about design is that you you have like endless possibilities yeah. uh, in terms of uh, creation. Sometimes, of course, you, you, you need some boundaries, you know, like, <laughs> because design, in my opinion, is two, two, the two main words that I will use is creative and functions, functional. I mean, like yeah. when you're doing like an object or something that you want to use every day, it needs to have a purpose and also yeah. how it's going to look. Does it, is it good looking or not? Uh, we do sometimes the... Uh, the comparison between like two same application you take the same application it does exactly the same you know like the button are the same and so on and so on I mean every functionality are the same but one was made and thought and everything was made with the design behind it and the UI and so on and the other one is just like okay it's there, there there's nothing which one are you gonna take even if the, the like the ugly one is uh, uh, faster than the other one. Which one are you gonna take? Probably the prettiest one. Yeah. Because yeah. it was made for that. But it, yeah, yeah, because it was made for the com like for comfort of the eyes. You know, that's also a huge thing, especially in applications or you see like with uh, back and front end and design. They all mm. live together. And yes, you can have this amazing code that does this amazing thing, but if it's not well put together visually. It will be uninteresting in a sense. Mm -hmm. You know, you can also see the charm in something that's not even designed. Yeah. There's also the charm in that. It's like, oh yeah, it's like it works, but you know, obviously there's no design and there can be like a big charm in that. But the importance is that it's yes, okay, we're talking about then like making things beautiful, which in a sense we are, but we're also making it so that people don't even realize that it has been designed. I think that's also a big topic, you know, like designers are actually designing so they don't even people don't realize it's been designed. Yeah, there is a, Most, I don't know the quote, but some people say design is invisible. Yeah. That That's the thing is that if you didn't notice it, but you're using it and it's natural for you, like then it was made well-made design. Yeah, exactly. That's the point. Like if you're doing something that people don't even realize they're attracted to or interact with in a certain way, that means that you've actually nailed the design because it's so well done that it's not even noticeable. You don't need instruction. Take the iPhone, yeah. for example. When they they when they made the iPhone, it was like, yeah, but do we have like instruction, like a book or something, the same that you have in the printer or whatever? Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, it's just called the iPhone. You have like the cable, the phone, and that's it. Just and that. ten minutes after that, you get used to it. Yeah, now it's universal. Like most, like most people are so used to iPhones that when they get an Android, they're like, uh, I don't know how to use it, you know? Because everyone's mm. just so they've really hit the like worldwide market and being the leader of that's how you use a phone mm. which is crazy when you think about it like they really stuck their imprints and most people I, I don't know okay I don't know the statistics of how many iPhone users versus uh, Android users but most people are more known like their hands unknowingly they can use an iPhone without thinking mm. like that's insane design and become creating, patterns. Yeah, creating human patterns in the way they use your hands is insane. Yeah, like I remember with the Steve Jobs presentation, it was like, yeah, what are we gonna use to navigate with the phone? A stylus? And he's like, no, we have something on our hand. It's a finger. And you're like, 
of course we are I mean sometimes you're like you are a dummy you know but yeah in the end it was natural you know and that's really something that I, uh, I really like about designs at the end it should be natural and something that you will live with without even thinking of yeah. it you know like something that doesn't distract you visually but you just which is the, what we were talking about how you just nail it like when they don't even notice um but also something that work like it's the simplicity of it Mm. Right. I think a lot of also designers over complex, like especially when you're starting off and working in, uh, having worked in design agencies and stuff and worked in school as well with like at university with uh, my peers, I've always felt they over complexing things, you know? Like, it, why are you trying to make it so complex? No, it's super simple. Take a step back, look at it, like, look at the broader picture. How can you solve it? And then there, boom. You have the simple so like mm. it's your finger we don't need extra tools no just use what the person has already mm. and i think that, that's like one of the great things in design is and it's really tough actually to get to a point where you see those yeah, kind of really things hard. um there's definitely different specters of designers as well and i think some see that and some don't um but it's that aha moments yeah creating the aha moments and i think that comes from a lot of simplicity also you can have complex designs that also have the aha moment but if it's so simple and they get an aha moment that means it's been such a complex thing to create and that's the beauty yeah. having something so simple but really the thought process behind or the research that goes into it that's so complex but in the end the person's just like oh yeah but it must have been so easy to design that's also another thing. People would just think, oh yeah, you know, like design. It's so easy. simple that it like probably took them two seconds. That's like the biggest misconception. Like design, if it's that well done and so simple, it's probably taken a lot longer than the person thinks. Yeah. Good example is like branding. Uh, in my in my opinion, when you like start to redo, like for example, the branding of a company. Um, Sometimes we see. Uh, I don't know if you saw that the price of a logo, for example, the uh, a logo that costs, yeah, it costs like a hundred thousand euro, and you're like, yeah, but that's just like, I don't know, like a C and just this, and you're like, yeah, but you know that it's not only the logo. There's like so much stuff going on behind it that no one will like show you because it's probably like uh, privacy and so on. But still, it's making the brand known and. Um, just give them the identity, you know, like, how do you provide an identity for a brand? I mean, what are your thoughts on, on that, you know, like? That, yeah, branding is one of the more complex things, and it's true, as you say, like, oh, it's just a C, or it's just a B, you know, like, it's just a simple letter or a word, like, you just chose a font, no, no, there's so much more behind it, it's messaging, it's understanding consumer profiles, Understanding how their user user inter like interactions with the brand as well. Things that there's a lot of business side things and statistics behind it to be able to create either a new brand or a rebrand. Every brand's even more complex in that sense because you already have a consumer base. But creating a brand from scratch, there's so many things that go through it. You know, it is your identity, not your full identity, because it also has to be true values. But these are all things that need to be mapped out before being able to create a brand. Then, yes, you have the logo, but now with social media and you're trying to get your brand everywhere, there's so many more elements. You know, you have mm -hmm. 
Yes, you have a logo, but you have your fonts that go with it, you have your color schemes that go with it, you have patterns. And being able to create a brand that has all these variations is how you create a brand that lasts, usually. Or is able to withstand a lot. If you just create a basic logo, you're going to be stuck. Yeah. That's when you get complex, like complex uh, situations when you just have, oh, this is my logo, that's it. If you, you have to create a 360 brand universe for the brand to flourish, especially if it's starting out. Also art direction, like, okay, if we're gonna have, you need photography, you need human aspects, maybe not just human aspects, but then you add patterns. So there's a lot of different puzzle pieces you put together to create a brand, but they're all based on the psychology and business aspect of what is your brand? What are you selling? Who are you selling to? Why would people buy into it? How are people viewing you? Mm. Where should they see you? Are you going to be on all the social medias or are you just going to do print? Oh, but no, but you're eco-friendly, so you shouldn't do print. What is your packaging? Oh yeah, okay, so your main message is you're eco-friendly. Well, your packaging needs to be recyclable or it needs to come from recycled materials. Mm. There's, there's all these little small aspects people don't think about that is actually thought about when creating a brand. Even yeah. in naming as well. I've done, I worked in naming as well and it's, that's even more complex, like doing, which is fun. But you have the naming, you also have the tone of voice, that's a huge part yeah, of the yeah. brand as well. How do people speak? Like, how are you speaking to your consumers? Yeah, are you friendly? Are you strict? Depending on what's the... Uh, messaging, the are you going to be straightforward? Like, are you direct marketing? Are you really in their face? Are you more calm? Are you more supportive? And this goes all, everything from what you're writing on your website to how you uh, create captions for your posts on Instagram or Facebook, how do you also answer your consumers if they come with questions? Mm. All of this is part of branding. Yeah. It's and the identity of the brand and the company. And in the end, it's not like... So in the end, um, it's not only a logo, because if you go like online on Twitter or so on, some people are like, yeah, can I get a logo? Can you do it for free? And you're like, uh, you know that, uh, no, actually, uh, it's, it's, it's a paid job, it's a well, I mean, it's complex job. And the more and more I work with designer, even if in my, I mean, my previous experience, I knew that making a design and so on is like really hard. I know every day that it's even harder than you think. And always, like, it's always hitting me every day, like, when I'm working, like, okay, this was made like that for this or this particular reason. And I think people don't realize once they do kind of open their eyes to seeing how complex it is, they're like, wow, they get amazed. Because people think, oh, yeah, but it's so simple, just, just design a logo. I mean, yeah, I could just design you a logo, but does that, have, that logo have depth? Is it going to bring your brand up? No. Do you have anything else that goes with that logo? No. So, yes, well-designed brands have, you know, been planned and thought out, especially you see like the rebrand of, like recently, like Burger King, yeah, yeah. all these, like, those take months, maybe in a year, especially because it's a global brand. Yeah, those would yeah. take the longest because you have how many markets to get into. <laughs> um, and there are definitely, there's so much research that's gone behind it and thought processes and being also a step ahead, you know, like, we're always, designers always think in the future. Yeah, how, how your brand will work or will look in two, three years or maybe four, or maybe even 20 years from now. Because if you look at the Nike logo, 
it's the same since the beginning. Yeah, and they've and been using it, the same slogan for 50, over 15 years. Yeah, and that's that's how, in my opinion, you make a brand and the design of a brand uh, working and make it fantastic. If that you just show a part of a logo, and people can recognize it. Yeah, yeah, logo mark. So having a logo mark that is recognizable, yeah. you nail it. So that's the thing. Like I think that's where where I'm saying like having variations in your brand and stuff because you need. There's so many faults where people just make like, oh, this is the name of the company, it's going to be put this font, beam, bam, boom. No. You want to be able to actually have it so that people can recognize it just by a pattern mm. or a little mark. Yeah. So you have your logo mark. You want a, 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 logo, a branding that kind of adapts depending on what materials is going on. Like Apple, you have the Apple. You see the part of that, even as you see the part of the Apple, you'll be like, that is Apple. That is Apple, yeah. You know, same with Nike, you can see like, oh, there's a swoosh, it's Nike. There's so many of those things, like that is having a logo mark and a full uh, logo and having patterns, also being able to recognize over color. Mm. If you see the Facebook blue, you remember it. Yeah, the red Ferrari. The red Ferrari. Because it was the same since the start. And yeah. they even like deposit, I think, I think, I think they, they wanted to put it to say, okay, that's a red Ferrari. Yeah, I think they... Trademark or something. I think they trademarked it before, yeah. No, it's true, but it is... Those are great examples of brand consistency, you know, Nike mm -hmm. and something like Apple. They are great at brand consistency and that, doing, creating a brand that has the possibility to have brand consistency. I mean, brand consistency is definitely something you want to achieve for your company. But doing it so well that there is no marketing needed because everyone knows about it. Okay, you may have to have marketing if you like have some more internal issues about like I don't know the way the production is created or something like that. Then you would have to have like um, SOS marketing. But other than that, even people, even if you're not a consumer of Nike, you still know their slogan. You know that. Depending, even doesn't matter which language you speak. You know that. Yeah. It sometimes you you don't even need to place money as a marketing on no. TV or any other one you can just like sponsor once or twice a year but that's enough but because we know your brand yeah, yeah you know it so well and that's the, that's in my opinion the end goal of a branding it's like we don't need I mean we don't need marketing advice uh, uh, advertising to be uh, recognized and known you know in your, in your, so you have to determine your market, obviously, for your company. Yeah, of course. Once you determine that, you can then easily determine, okay, I want to be, obviously, each company wants to be leader in their markets, which for is sure, fair. Yeah. yeah, for sure. How do you do it best? Brand consistency. Get out there, get, like, keep it consistent, keep your messaging consistent, keep your uh, logo consistent, have a clever logo as well. That is, that has those different variations infiltrate with your brand but also make sure you have great products because you know once you do that yeah you can have a backlash of people like not having a, a bad word word of mouth but what you want is that every time someone sees like maybe a visual that doesn't even have your logo on it and they can say oh yeah that's that company like that's nike yeah or that's uh yeah apple or you know like that's been desk, you know, like McDonald's, once, yeah, or McDonald's, wherever, whatever industry you're in, they just see like an, the style of image as well. That's art direction. And that's part of branding. Is okay. We take our photos like this. It may vary, 
over the years, but you can definitely see consistency yeah, in the style. Yeah. And even so, yeah, even just seeing an image, not having any colors or a logo mark on or anything like that, and a person can say, oh yeah, that's that company. Being like, you know, you've been, yeah, you've been infiltrating your markets. And that is the highest achievement, I think, of a company, it's infiltrating. And we also need to have great product with yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, you can't have, you, you also, these companies where they have amazing branding, but then the rest of it isn't doesn't up to follow, the yeah, yeah, it doesn't follow. It needs to really be in line with each mm, other. That's how we can like see that branding is like across every kind of, uh, how can I say, even social network, uh, books, uh, whatever, advertising in the street and so on and so on. It's like really wide, really complex and as you said, the key is consistency to say we want to provide the same experience regarding the support, you know, like if it's outside on your phone, on your or a call center, call, anything, whatever. Yeah. yeah, we want the same experience. I say, okay, those one, those are Nike, those one, that's Burger King, that's this, that's that. And when you go across another country, you want the same experience. Yeah. If you are in Belgium, you go to McDonald's and then you go in Japan, you go to McDonald's, you want the same experience. You want to, the same people, the same branding, the same shirt, the same whatever, the same experience. Even if the burgers are different, yeah. you know that you are there and you are not like lost. No, you at least know the standard quality you'll get. Maybe some countries will be better in some places. Yeah. Because that depends obviously on the produce and where they get things. So you have that differentiation. But as long as the basis of the experience is the same and they recognize it, especially when you're a global brand, that's like the hardest thing to do. Mm. I think there's brands out there like that aren't that great at it. But it's also back to the thing of like experiencing a brand or company. Let's say you have a restaurant. When someone Let's and you specifically sell it's a fish restaurant, let's say that. Someone's going, ah, I really want some like fish right now, like but I'm new to the city, I don't know where to go. So you Google and then your first and especially now how people interact is they would first Google. Mm -hmm. Then they check the reviews and we have all these like now doing branding and marketing, it's really difficult because we have so many channels where people have a say for free. Yeah. That can really impact your your restaurant or your products. So yeah, you're Googling and you find, oh, this one, okay, the name looks cool, okay, click on it. And then you have this insane immersive website, which really is just elegant, like really what you're looking for is more chill depending, you know? Say, okay, and the pictures are great, so you show your product, you show like the, the also the big thing is when, when someone goes onto your website, if you are a restaurant, if someone goes onto your website, they should have the same emotional feeling when they're on your website as when they step in the door to your restaurant. Yeah. Because everyone, people are, humans are emotional. It's why we buy into things. We get emotionally attached to brands and the experience, emotional experience of using either their product or software. So the same with the restaurant, like you go into the website and you're just like, oh, you know what? That looks so cozy. Like I want to be there. I want to have that emotion of being there and eating and that enjoying that food because that mm. food already. When you look at photos, your mind already can taste them. Yeah. They can already experience the food without even tasting it. Yeah, that's. Uh... It's the amazing thing about the brain. So when you're looking for a restaurant, you're like, oh, they'll choose that one because of the emotional feeling they get from looking at your website. Or the, 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 the dishes that you're And providing. you just have to hope that you also have really good dishes. <laughs> <laughs> the reviews are great because they also check the reviews. But you can't have this amazing 
website that really um, makes people want to go there and then when they show up and then the deck goes not on point, you know, your staff is rude. That's also part of the experience. That's also mm, part of the branding. Yeah, of course. How is the staff talking to people, you know? How are, are they welcoming them as well as they got welcomed onto the website? So design and branding and identity doesn't just go from, oh, here's the logo mark. It is really about how the personnel even at the physical place are standing. What are they wearing? Are they wearing clean shoes? All these things, all those things are part of the identity and have to be thought about. Also, are they wearing shirts with a little mark on it? Mm -hmm. Or are they wearing it with like a saying on the arm, you know, or are they not wearing anything? Like not, not any, as in like they don't have any branding on them, not that they're <laughs> nude, uh, but that'd be quite a weird restaurant. No, but um, I'm saying like, are they wearing just like really clean, simple clothing yeah. with no brand and no marking? You know, it's, these are all experiences that people will interact with, with your brand, so it's, really 360 as I like to call yeah, it, you yeah. know, it's, uh, it's not just a logo <laughs> where people say that's famous and oh, but it's just a logo, no, no, there's so much more behind it. And um, when did you feel that uh, this become like your passion or like you wanted to be in that field that say, okay, this is what I want to do in my, for, for part of my life? So it all started when I was a very young kid. <laughs> um, I'm very lucky to have uh, a mom that was very supportive. Uh, she's an interior designer, a lighting specialist actually. Uh, but her career started as a bioengineer <laughs> until <laughs> okay. my dad swept her off her feet and brought her to Korea, <laughs> like the other side of the world. Um, no, I think she noticed very uh, quickly that I was very creative. I used to just love to draw, but not just draw like anything within the lines. Like mm -hmm. I was just a very detailed person <laughs> uh, and it's because I have perfectionism uh, with a bunch of other things uh, but she noticed it really clearly when I was very young um, and I just would always draw and just be so happy just be creating things or like building things I remember mm -hmm. just playing like six years old I instead of like building like non things like I would pick up Lego and create a camera yeah you know I'd actually like figure out how to create something to look like something else from another product yeah, mimicking, mimicking. Yeah, yeah, mimicking. So like, I would actually build things that were like physical objects, rather than just being like, oh, here's a silly house, or you know, or like, I would actually like build systems. Um, and it's just great that she noticed that at a very young age, um, and always supported it. And then I was, um, but I also actually, my mom's dad was very against. So my grandfather, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he was very against uh, creativity. Okay. Uh, creatives and artists. And I remember when I was at their apartment and also when I spent the weekend there and I was, I think my brother, one of my brothers was there as well. And I just, all I wanted to do was just, like my, my grandmother, she bought me a new coloring book and like some pencils. And so I, all I wanted to do was just draw and color in. Mm -hmm. And he was sitting on the sofa and he got so mad. He was like, you can't just be doing that. You know, like if you're going to be an artist, you're going to starve. You're not going to have a life. And he's like, put those books and coloring pencils away and come sit and watch National Geographic. And I was like, uh, shocked. I was like six years old. I was like shocked. Like, yeah, yeah. The one thing that made me happy, I was told that I could not never do in life, you know, like, <laughs> funny enough. That's pretty uh, <laughs> Funny enough, uh, three of his grandchildren are all designers, so <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, um, 
So yeah, that was quite like a harsh reality, but anyways, but my mom always supported, so that kind of helped. And I, also him saying that made me want to prove him wrong. Yeah, like you, you want to. I wanted to prove him that you know what I can actually get a career out of this. I can get somewhere in life, and I think right now, I think that's also a very big driving force in my career is him saying that, him saying me not not allowing me to do something that I loved and was so interested in. To always have to like wanting to prove. I mean, bless him, he's not here anymore, and he passed away when I was quite young. But I've always wanted to prove him wrong. Yeah, still you you wanted to make sure that your passion and what people can may like say to you that's not gonna stop you to just doing it yeah. and you said okay you know what yeah maybe, maybe you said that okay it was pretty rough when you say it and because you know you're like six and you're like okay fair enough i mean when you're six years old the, the thing that you do is like drawing or stuff like that i mean everyone got like draw to for their parents and it was yeah. hang on the fridge or whatever <laughs> you know but that's that's interesting to say yeah i mean i wanted to stick to that and this is something that i want to make a career yeah is it gonna work or not i don't mind i just want to do it and okay if that's not working i will figure it out something else because my life was shaped to figure it out yeah at some point and just make sure that I'm okay, you know. Yeah, no, I think definitely, like, you are so impression, like, impressionable when you're such, so young, but I think I was very, how do I say, very wise, not wise, but like, I was very old for my age, kind of, I always, so I was just like, fine, I'll sit here and watch National Geographic, but watch me, like, prove you wrong later. Mm. I wasn't, I wasn't just drawing, like, random little drawings, I mean, I was building furniture, like, at a very young age, I was like, okay, how can I build this system, because I really want that, you know, mm. so, I, but yeah, um, and then when I was 10, I found out about um, Central St. Martins in London, mm -hmm. and that was my dream. So that's where you graduated, right? That's where I went to university, yeah. yeah. So I knew about that university when I was 10, and I decided when I was 10, I'm going to study there at that university. So I was very young, <laughs> and I, that, and I started building my portfolio since I was ten. I mean, any project I could turn into something that could be in my portfolio, I did. Like, I remember in high school and stuff, or like middle school, uh, when we had like a presentation, you had to do a poster. Like, I went all out. Mm -hmm. I had like posters integrated with speakers, so like there was music playing behind, <laughs> like while you're presenting. I had like three D, like. I remember one of my uh, posters I did on, like, yeah, I was in high school, it was about baby selling. Okay. So human trafficking. Mm -hmm. I literally put, like, a doll in a plastic bag and taped it, like, stuck it to um, the, the poster board with also, like, cutouts, like, because they obviously cut out the organs, so it's really, like, terrible t uh, topic. Mm -hmm. But I made the poster so impressionable that. They were like, we can't, because everyone's posters got hung up in like the hallway. <laughs> Mine wasn't allowed because they were like, it's so impactful that we can't hang it up because people are getting upset. And I was like, well, so I nailed my project. Yeah, that's that's. That was that the main was point. The, it was yeah. giving, getting people aware of how, like, how bad like human trafficking and baby like selling is. Yeah, I really feel uncomfortable when you. Yeah, like, when you watch seeing it. it. Yeah, yeah, so, of course. No, so like literally any project, even if it was like biology, like history, English, whatever, I always 
loved it when it was a poster because I would always take it. You went level. all in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I built like board games and stuff. Like in middle school, I'm like I'm making this board game because it was like a history project, and I made like, yeah, <laughs> it's really bad. But we're starting with Hitler, and yeah, the Second World War, and I made like a board game called Hitleropoly. <laughs> But it's literally about everywhere they infiltrated and stuff like that. It was like it wasn't the same thing of like purchasing and stuff like that. But they just took the concept of a monopoly board mm -hmm. and then built it into a fa like a factional. What's it called? Factional like a fat game base, a game like a mm. fat game. So people would learn yeah the most important facts about that about that about that period. In yeah, time. and they built it and like it was really and it had like even a lock. To get in to play it, you had to like solve the lock, and, yeah. So I think uh, passionate, it's always been in me, uh, and I was just very lucky to have a supportive uh, mom and very supportive dad. I mean, obviously, my dad wanted me to go into business, which I kind of have in the end, mm. but um, yeah, having a mom that really like supported any idea and really and just do your thing, yeah, do you like be you, you will get through. Like, I wasn't, I was, I wouldn't say I was like. I had good grades, it was really tough for me school because I was like creative, but it was really tough the other subjects because I, yeah, I was not, it didn't come easy to me. Mm -hmm. yeah. My brain works in a really different way, like I'm really good at physics for some reason, <laughs> which most people aren't, like I'm really good at physics, maths not so much, but physics I'm really good at because it's building and understanding the yeah, systems. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, school wasn't easy, but I always had the main goal of going to Central St. Martin, so that kind of just always pushed me to work harder and like, I'm going there. It like, drove you. My, yeah, it drove me through my whole life. I was like, I'm going to that university. Yeah. However, when I was finishing that university, I was like, damn, what do I do the rest of my life? Because <laughs> I kind of like achieved my lifelong goal. So I was like, okay, so um, I'm graduating in about two months. What do I do? <laughs> I was like, I kind of finished. Like, this is all I wanted to do in life. I don't know what to do next. Now, what's the the next goal? I think, but that was I. Could, I actually really quite like that because that way, I didn't have a goal for like I just could explore my work. You know, I could explore what do I, how do I use what I've learned and how where I've come to now mm -hmm. further. So. Yeah. That was quite like a lengthy explanation about my passion. No, but it's, it's, it's really interesting. But yeah, that's, yeah. So why I'm in design and how I got here is because I've always... Uh, it was your thing. Yeah, it was always my thing. I don't think I could... Why? Well, no, I could have done something else, but that was always my thing. Yeah, um, I think on my side, it was more like in the end of my uh, college. Yeah. It was like, what's going to be my main work or what do I want to do it was always a question and I always had those kind of ideas but nothing really like stick you know yeah. like I can say okay I want to do that now with my experience and so on I know that I want to do what I do now yeah but my but you need that experience to get to there you know like what you're doing now like you kind of need those years of experience to figure out okay and you try about different things like oh I tried this okay that's interesting but not really my cup of tea and then you try something else and you're like oh actually I like this a little bit more mm. but how can I do it? and then you try something else and you're like oh actually now this is really this is what I want or to a do. merger of those two or three things you know yeah and maybe what I wanted to do now is like okay it's not my thing and maybe you want to change or something yeah but you also never know like we can't we can't really predict ourselves or see ourselves like the next 30 years you know no. like maybe I then have a business but it's 
I don't know, fishing or something, you know, maybe I've moved to like the north of Norway and like secluded island and I just fish. You, you never know, like you're... Maybe you will raise goats or whatever, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, who knows? You never know. <laughs> it, could, it could change so drastically because of these things that happen in your life. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. But I think it's always important to keep your, like, your mind open to that idea of like yeah. things changing. Yeah, and if in the end that... that uh, the main thing is to be happy about what you're doing, you know. Okay, it's a job, but also is it a passion? And if you're passionate, then you will give 100% and give everything to make it good or perfect or yeah. whatever what you want to achieve. But you you know that that's the thing that you want to do. And as you said, in maybe in 5, 10, 20 years, it's going to be different. You want to do something else because you did everything that you wanted or achieved. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, if you like nailed your achievements and you're like, oh, okay, well, what can, what can I do next? Or, you, know, you never really know what happens. I just know, like, for me, a base is, I am, so, like, I am a creative. Everything that involves me around my life is creativity. Mm. Even if it's not based on that, but it's still, there's creativity in everything, I think. And um, so that's the thing about any job that I do, it's, some, it's my passion. My work is always going to be passionate for it. Like it's, yeah. like I'm going to have a passion for it because it's, it's not like I would say like, I mean people can have really like real passions about financing and Excel sheets and stuff like that. But I think there's definitely a different level when you are a creative because you put so much into of your heart into it. Mm-hmm. No matter what project or whatever company you work for, you really put so much into it because it is who you are as a person. Yeah. Yeah. You're giving a part of your soul. Yeah. To the brand, the company, or anyone that you're working with. You know that. Okay, that color, I choose it and it's based on a lot of things, but it came from me, you know, so it's part of you that is there and yeah. it's like that, you know, it's evolving and going around. I mean, it's also one of the things that I really like about it. Yeah. Probably you have some person that you are inspiring you in terms of design uh, or even not design, like maybe you spoke about your mom or whatever, yeah. but um, can you like provide there's like two or three people that you're being influenced by? Yeah, by, um, yeah. I must say, like, one of my big inspirations is one of my best friends, actually. Uh, her name is Joanna, and we met at boarding school, and we met because of my dad. Um, so he dropped me off the first day of boarding school, and he just saw like. And I was like, oh, okay, now stay. Like I was new, and like I was changing school, and I was really old. I was like not old, but like I was older, so it wasn't the same as when you're younger. I think it's easier, because mm-hmm. um, you're now you're a teenager, you know, it's different. And so he drops me off, and then he's like, no, no, I'm like I need to leave now. I have, like I have to go to a meeting. Like just go. And then he sees this one girl walking. He's like, just go be friends with her. So he like pushes <laughs> me, and then I'm just like hi and then she's hi and then yeah now it's like what 10 plus years down the line i'm way more than that um yeah like 12 years plus down the line and we're still best friends and Mm -hmm. but this girl has a drive um that's unlike anything else and she is super smart but also creative uh, i mean she okay she works in pharma (laughs) but she also an amazing writer and she's had like and she's a stylist like she studied fashion she did writing and she just had like this development of a career and I just see her constantly evolving even though she hasn't had like the clearest direction 
she's always given a hundred and everything she does and she just inspires others as well she mm. has she actually has her own podcast as well um into like also about like empowering women she's a very independent inspirational woman but she also empowers others which is i mm. find so great and i'm so lucky to call her my best friend and um, i always look up to her like everything she does like i'm just like wow and she's younger than me as well <laughs> but i always look up to her and i'm so inspired by her and she mm. really pushes me to be to push myself and be the best of who i can be not just in my work but also to my friends to my family like how can i be there for others and also give what i can give and everything that you can yeah that's like i get so much of that from her and um, absolutely adore to this uh, and then i think other than that my parents i think both of them one because my dad's very business oriented very you know the corporate man business and all these things uh, but he loves music which is great and i love music he's good at giving that to us um but he's his manner of raising a family going abroad and bringing us around and the work he puts into his job as well like and also he, he's really good at networking remember that's one of the first things he told me like grant like you have to be good at networking if you want to get somewhere always network yeah always network and i think that's definitely one of the tips i've used the most <laughs> in my life and i really like live by now is the networking uh, but he inspires me as well because he you know he's always been there for us um yet he's so different because he's so business oriented but mm. i realized when i grew up and started working stuff i'm very half like i split my creative like me as into two because you have creators that are super hyper creative and just creating you know thinking kind of floating in their brain and just like oh these could be creative ideas and like look it's very artsy this or that whereas i'm more of a structural creative i call it whereas yes i can come up with conceptual thinking but i also apply to realistic outcomes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i think that's really a mix of both my parents like i get the creativity from my mom but i get the business and structural thing from my dad and that's why they they inspire me my mom as well raising so many kids moving around all the time and she's very much like the she's like the dad in the family like anytime we moved if you want something fixed like a table put together or something like you know in the house fixed with yeah. my mom she's gonna do it <laughs> yeah she'd do it like that's I, but i love that like she's very like hands-on and like uh, yeah woman like even though she doesn't really have a career because mm-hmm. her career was raising us i mean that's a huge job especially moving so many times yeah. countries languages setting up school you know there's that's a job in itself yeah for sure but the way she just like sort things like anytime we move somewhere the house is just amazing like we just felt interesting and um, so you're working with different brands and different supports so it goes from suitcase from Samsonite 
interior guideline for monastery garden to interface layout for nodal view and, and other thing I mean in such various design projects I mean what's your main process uh, that you have how do you find inspiration when you're creating something I mean how do you came up like okay we're gonna go like this or like that and it's gonna be like this and like that this is actually quite a quite difficult question to answer because um, I bring my not I for me it's quite easy it comes mm -hmm. quite easy um, but I think that is definitely I think that's something you have it's a lot of learning and growing but I think there's also like a talent to I'm a problem solver okay really one of my that's one of the things I love like problem solving and so when I get a brief like depending which client if it's a suitcase or <laughs> a design a hotel like I think I look at it as just a final outcome of it's a problem it's a puzzle piece how do we yeah. solve it they need something right they come to us they have so you have to obviously you start by research depending um, how long I've been working let's say on a product like a brand or something so by the beginning, definitely uh, research. What are their main, more, like main consumers? What is this? What is what? What do they want? Like what do the clients want? Okay, how can we create a new concept, but a feasible one? And how mm -hmm. do we adapt it to work? So I don't know. Like the thing is, a lot of times, like I, I would say, like I constantly provide myself. Uh, visual design and creative uh, stimulus by looking at design, like I follow design news, I constantly look at Pinterest, I constantly look around me, I'm really aware of my surroundings mm -hmm. and I pick up and I'll see things and I really put it straight into like a box in my head of you may want to use this later or this could be useful for something later. And then it's just the science of it, like okay, uh, there's this like so okay. I have these ideas, like they're stacked in my head, okay. I understand the markets. Sometimes I have to research a little bit more into it, but I'm like, okay, you're going to this country, you're doing this, you're, the client is looking for this, there's a problem to be solved. Hmm. Okay, the science, so is this feasible? Okay, so I have a crazy idea, okay, let me put it out. But how much of this is feasible? Will it work? Will people react to it? So then I bring in all the scientific facts and all the knowledge I have of that from these conceptual ideas I have. And I always want to create the aha, aha moment. Aha moment, yeah. The aha, aha. Like that is like my favorite thing to create. And then I just kind of put them all together and then I'm like, here, <laughs> here you go. Um, and voila. Yeah, but then sometimes it just, I can kind of have like, a, I guess something, and then it just clicks and I'm like, yep, yeah, this is what I'm doing. Which I can't explain how that is a like that is those come out of all the knowledge I already have and the experience I have. Um, even when I was very young and I started my career, I would just okay, I know what to do, but I can't explain how I get to it. Yeah, it's 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 really abstract, an abstraction of something in your mind. Uh, it's just me filtering through all these different things, yeah. or scenes, or if I suddenly see something, I'm like, oh, you know what, I solved it. I got the answer. It's kind of like being a scientist, you know, when they're like mixing things in. Oh, voila, <laughs> you know? Or, or the, the detective. The, the Eureka moments. Like yeah. 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 But, like, 
that's it. I mean, we, we have the answer for, for, for that specific thing, for that problem. We know the solution for that problem. But I definitely would say, like, I, a lot of it has to do with the fact that I'm always researching, looking at new things, always keeping myself, like, up to date or looking at old stuff or just constantly giving myself visual stimulus, like, mm -hmm. stimuli. Yeah, for sure. That helps a lot. Um, but also, like, I think people go too deep into it. Sometimes they get stuck because they're just like, and I can get stuck at times as well. I'm like, okay, I have this, this is a name. Like, a client comes to me, like, this is, this is the name we're going to be called. And I always double check, have you, have you trademarked? Are you sure you can use that? Because <laughs> there's a lot of things they don't even know yeah. that I get to help clients with. Uh, these are mostly freelance clients. Like, they'll come to me because I have the knowledge of it. And so I double check with them, like, have you done this? <laughs> the research and so Yeah, like, have you checked all these things? Like, are you sure we can create a brand on about this? Okay, what is now your tone of voice? What is, what do you want to be selling? How do you want to be perceived? Uh, but then sometimes I just get the name, I'm like, oh, now I need to create a brand. <laughs> Like now I have to create the visual part of it, uh, which can be quite difficult, but then I can also, depending on, depends on the clients, like how much they have, I always want to know like, okay, what is your thoughts, what do you see, what do you have vision, and kind of work, do like worship with them, saying okay, this is kind of like I see where you want to go, and then depending if it's a gym or a gin, <laughs> I then go, okay, so you're going this market, so you want to proceed, okay, your target market is this, but you want to be seen, let's say it's like an alcohol brand, you want to be seen in the, like, in the stores, like if you want to go to stores, if that's your final target, or if you're just in, in bars and restaurants, you want to be seen, so you want to stand out, what's your budget goes <laughs> in, so I'm very tactical designer in the sense that like, I'll take into all these things into consideration, be like, okay, you don't have the biggest budget, what can I get you? for what you want with that budget. Yeah. So that can, okay, we can save this much because we're gonna do this printing process. Uh, okay, this is actually something you wanna put your money into and onto the bottle or into the advertising as you want to have these kind of things. Mm -hmm, so I'll mm -hmm. delegate like their budget into what you, they should do to have a solve, like to solve and to create a great brand. And sometimes like one of the gins I did recently, their name was Enigma. I'm like, you have gin in, like, in the name. Voila, you have your logo. You just flip the gin so you see it mm. and put that in a different color. Sometimes it's that simple. Yeah, and sometimes it's. But then you have to create, but you still need to create like the storyline around it and everything. Because I'm like, do you guys have a story? <laughs> yeah, our ingredients are this, but we haven't really written it. I'm like, okay, you need to have a brand story. What are you guys? But the actual concept of the logo took two seconds, and then I just created variations of it. And also, and also of making past sure. Experience that yeah, I mean, that was after many years of experience. It's but uh, when I started out, um, when I so actually my first job was when I was uh, fourteen. Um, so I got paid for doing a photo shoot for a store. Okay. So I was doing more like marketing and uh, merchandising, like yeah, window merchandising and stuff. So I started very young, and I kind of always and I know I worked at a summer camp for many years <laughs> while I was studying and stuff. Um, and I always brought my design knowledge into that. Um, but when I started my career, I kind of already had a, like, a step ahead because I'd already been doing these things. Like I always was aware of design and kind of psychology and I'd always like to, I never wanted to not know. So I always researched on myself on mm -hmm. the side mm -hmm. um, to just have more knowledge, to get, like to understand because I'm designing for other people. 
that's why I, why I wrote my thesis on neuroaesthetics is because you as a designer, you have so much power in your hands. Yeah. You actually change someone's choices. The way they live in some way, like if it's the way they live, but the way they purchase, they will, you're changing, like you're actually giving someone their actions, like you're making them do something because of your design. You have, like as a designer, you have so much power. You, you can even, I mean, empower a brand or completely destroy it because of your choices. Yeah. Because you've made also like... Also people, like humans, like yeah. the, the end user. Mm. You're always designing for the end user. Yes, you have a client between, but you're always designing for the end user. But that end user, you have so much power over them that they have no idea about. Because you can create a brand that they just will go for without knowing why. You're, you're making choices for them. Yeah. You're like, okay, you know what? You don't know yet, but maybe that coffee shop, you will go there and get a coffee because of what I made earlier. And you don't even know yet. No, 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 you don't, but you do as a designer. Like that power is insane. Mm. And so I think to be able to do that, you should have as much knowledge as possible. So that's why I really studied a lot about it and like psychology because it's insane how much power someone has. Like tiny little me, I was like 23, you know, or 24 designing these huge things that would make someone buy or not yeah do they click on the button buy now or not yeah because of my choices yeah so i had to like learn all these things and understand the way their brains work to be able to design something you know that also gave me like for ethical reasons to tell me okay in the end i did sell myself to the devil like designing e-cigarettes and like alcohol so not the greatest (laughs) But you know, I started off with a good thought in mind, mm. um, and I always keep that like is for the end user. How do they like same with now like designing interfaces? How do they feel when they go? Out? Why would they go and buy into NotoView and use our systems rather than any of our other competitors? Because it's so extremely like well designed and so simple. But also our customers said, you know, it's not just the brand is not just the designs, but it's also everything. But everything mm. should work together. Honestly, mm-hmm. so I think like yeah, process. It's um, it's really hard to nail down exactly what, but it also depends. As it's you a say, mix of a lot of things. Yeah, as you say, like I have worked across all disciplines. So, you know, I've designed suitcases, I've designed hotels, I've designed does with branding, I've designed juice places, sports places. Uh, physical products, you know, like alcohol bottles, like why would someone, you know, and books as well. Mm. (laughs) And then interfaces, there's really just such a variety of things that I've designed that I think I just bring in different knowledge from different aspects and for me, I think for me it just comes quite quickly. Um, I'm lucky about that, especially in alcohol design actually. Oddly enough, I'm really good at that. (laughs) It just comes naturally to me. <laughs> it's not the best thing to be saying, but it, it does. I just know the markets and I know, not that I'm like a heavy drinker or anything like that at all. I'm actually like, my, the other part of me is definitely into like fitness and uh, being super healthy. So mm. I think because I work in alcohol design or I did at least in London, I do some freelance stuff. My balance to that <laughs> is that I actually have a super healthy life and I also like designing gyms and <laughs> you know, healthy things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the consumerism of alcohol is really simple.
Mm. I mean, and also that was really fun because you can see like I did a packaging for a beer brand um, in Germany. So it's not a German beer, but it's one of the most popular ones in Germany. Mm -hmm. And I just did a new like retro pack and it sold like sales increased 40% that year because of one packaging. Well, nice job. Yeah, so you can see, <laughs> I think that's also a very fun part is that you can really see direct uh, influxes and influences your designs have. So, um, so you have a run now, I wouldn't do, but 14, 15 years of experience, if we say, I mean, well, if, I, if you say I started if, from if, like, what is 14? When you started at 14, I mean, now you have a lot of experience, you work to, for many companies and many brands on I mean, it's like around like seven years in industry, yeah. specifically. Yeah, like. six, seven years. Mm -hmm. uh, you did a lot and with that experience in your head, what's one thing that you wish you know uh, before you begin your career? I mean, what you wanted to know when you begin your career? And more as a secondary question, what advice would you give to someone trying to pursue a career similar <laughs> to yours? Um, well, uh, I definitely think like, you will get working on so many things that you've never done before. You will always learn. There's no, you'll never stop learning. Okay. Uh, luckily, I love that, <laughs> and I always like, I always push for that. But you will get thrown into things mm -hmm. that you just have to say, yeah, of course, do it. Like, design a suitcase for something. Like, uh, sure, yeah, I know how to do that. Never Why not? done in my life, you know. Uh, you learn from experience, um, especially if you're if you're going into a career of design. Studying it's so conceptual. Um, I think there's definitely a big difference in studying design in the UK than it is here. Mm -hmm. Also, like work-wise, it's more competitive in the UK. But when you also for design university, honestly, they're not going to teach you the programs. Okay. You get an hour. I think we had like half a day in the first year where they taught us like basics in the Adobe Suite. Yeah, yeah. They don't teach you that at university. That thing is definitely one thing I would like definitely tell and really want young designers to know is like you gotta learn yourself as a designer and who you are as well to find out your niche. Even though I work um, on different brands and they have their brand guidance, I can see my little touch of yeah. me in all my design work. Even if it's the hotel for in like a uh, check or if it's the suitcase or it's an alcohol bottle, I can always see a touch of me in them. Yeah. So I have created my own style, which I don't inf infiltrate into the design, like because the brands, you know, they have brand guidelines, but you can always see, you know, it's my way of thinking and how I solve things and there's always a touch of me. It's part um, Yeah. But that's also something you need to build yourself and get comfortable with. You always, always push to like know as much as you can and a lot of that takes, you have to learn on your side. Like you have to learn, you have to have the, if you're going into design, you really have to have the heart and soul for it. And that means like, cause you get to work, like, especially if you're really young and you're starting off and you go, they go, oh yeah, the design suitcase or hotel. And you're like, I've never done, cause you didn't, didn't learn that at university. Mm, yeah. You know, especially cause I went into I, my degrees in graphics. Uh, I was always interested in everything and I wanted to study everything, but you had to choose, so I chose graphics. Because it has more if you're able to brand, you also if you have knowledge, of you can learn everything yourself, kind of. Um, 
And I was just lucky enough to find design agencies where I got to work on everything. But it meant like I had never done it before, so I mean, I'd go to work, get the brief, kind of like come research, get the ideas, but then have to go home and really research, okay, is this feasible, is it possible? And I was always constantly learning. And I think that's definitely a big thing is that it's a very hectic um, career. Mm -hmm. It's a very hectic um, industry. People think, oh, designers just sit there and just like draw all day. No, no, it's so much and it's the deadlines and it's really, it's a tough career. But in that way, they don't like your senior designers or creative directors, they don't have the time to teach you. You know, you have to teach yourself. You just have to learn. Yeah, you're like self-made. Yeah, and you, you have your luck. Sometimes you're lucky and you have like a senior designer that like, you become friends with your colleagues and they teach you maybe their tricks and then you, kind of, you learn from each other. It's always teamwork as well. Mm, yeah, for sure. And you need each other because <laughs> it gets a lot. Um, but yeah, I would just say that like I didn't, I wish I'd known how much you change as well and like how much, how much pressure there is, but like how much you just have to, especially in London. <laughs> I'm talking more from my London experience, it's very competitive because they can easily find another designer. Um, yeah, I don't know what else I could say. Yeah, I would say you give your heart and soul, chill out, like things, uh, and just know your basics. Mm. Especially if you're going into graphic design, it's science. There's really like things you can do and things you can't do. Know your basics, like know the science behind it. And then apply your creativity to those science things. Yeah, within the boundaries that yeah, are within providing. the boundaries that you receive. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you're like, okay, I've made a suitcase and so on. And uh, did did you ever like went outside for a walk and saw like one of the suitcase or one of your design by someone and you're like, okay, you know, this uh, kind of aha moment. But yeah, I did that, you know. Yeah, uh, Penny actually wrote about this recently um, for something else. So the suitcases, no, I have not seen. I've seen them on Instagram. Okay. Or like when I see my stuff being used by like, or posted on Instagram, I find that always like really fun. Um, or the people drinking from the cans that I've designed or bottles I've designed. I think that's that's great. Um, I get one like pretty much every every day. Well, because you, you see it everywhere, but vibe so these are e-cigarettes it's one of the first projects I did when I graduated from university mm -hmm. um, and I created a pattern system a color system for them for all their flavors this I did in 2015 mm -hmm. and they still use the same one and this is a huge company <laughs> which, which is really good yeah and I think that's the achievement of creating something that a company uses for that many years at such a young age, like my first project out, really still hits me like every time I see it. Because I see it, and also global, like, okay, when I saw it in London, I'm like, okay, I designed it not here, but I moved to Belgium and then I see it at like the smallest little like uh, kiosk and it's still, there's my design. It's still there. Yeah. It's still you and you're like, okay, I'm... Yeah, <laughs> it's like this, and also the best is like the, no one knows it, but like the concept behind it, like how I solved it was so simple. Mm. And yet, this many years down the line, like six years down the line, they still use it. I think they're starting to do a change, but 
I'm still proud for six Tin. years. Yeah. Six years that I'm still using my design. I'm just pretty huge for like mm. a big company like British American Tobacco. That's a huge thing to achieve. Um, so I definitely think that's like, but I get that little thing like every kind of every day because I see it so often. But I think one of the biggest things was um, when they released the Cointreau bottle in London. Yeah. yeah. So limit, the limited edition bottle. And they were selling it at Harvey Nichols in South in South Kent, so um, in Knightsbridge. Mm-hmm. So next to Harrods, uh, you have Harvey Nichols, and they had window displays. <laughs> so it's huge. Like the, I think they had three or four window displays, uh, and one of them is like um, this huge uh, screen. Like I mean, like I think it's like five meters long screen. Okay. And. I was just standing there, like busy, like you know, nice was like super busy. So I'm just like, it was the first time I saw it. Like I go up and I see the screen playing my illustrations, and showcasing this bottle I designed, and it was my drawings, and it was just like this amazing animation. I was just like standing there, like millions of people walking past me, and I'm just like, tiny little me, just that's my work, which was just yeah, incredible. And I was actually with my ex at the time, and he was just so proud of me. I was just so quiet. I was just standing there, like. And he's like, yeah, let's take a photo. I'm like, no, no, I just, wow. Like, I was just shook, like, that, that's my work, you know, those are my drawings that I've done with my hands. And now it's displayed on this huge screen and millions of people are seeing it. And yeah, it was just tiny little me, tiny little young me. And it's something that you, you, you are proud of. I mean, I would be like super proud to say, okay, I achieved that and I made that, you know, like, this is a kind of stuff that I really like to see that people are like enjoying and be yeah. proud of what they, they're doing, you know? Yeah, I think I was very proud, but I was also very shy. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, I guess that was me. But I mean, it was quite amazing to see. Um, yeah, just, yeah just, it's just weird, like, just seeing your work, yeah, just enjoyed or like posted about and around. I think that's always like, I think that's one of my favorite things about being a designer. Um, especially more like now it's more interfaces and stuff, so it's a different path in my career, but definitely in London, um, all the projects I worked on, like going to like the space that I've designed, mm-hmm. or like actually in Brussels, Animo, yeah. like their branding, and like the little illustrations I did for the toilets, like going there and seeing like, or the new cafe sign I did, you know, like. Seeing that is always just like warms my heart, and like I'm like, oh, that was me. <laughs> but I'm not someone who would like run around talking about it. It's just no, of course, yeah. Um, and that way, I'm really just subtle about it until people like actually. I think also like new people when I start talking to them, I'm like, maybe I've done some design, you know, like just design them, and then they go on my website, they go, what? That's you. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I do stuff um, here and there yeah. for which which company? Yeah. Yeah. You know the one, the suitcase? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think also, I, but I like it because it's things like people realize how much more design it is, I think. And, and also not limiting yourself as, oh, I'm just a graphic designer, I think. And even if you are basing your career, like now it's mostly graphics that I do. To take the knowledge I have from all the other like industries or the other disciplines mm-hmm. and always applying it. Because the way a person uses interface or purchases into our company is the same way. Why would they purchase this over that? So it's 
So um, that's definitely something I would tell young designers. Open your mind and don't restrict yourself. Always learn, don't restrict yourself. Take a step back if you get stuck and you can do it. Just remember the rules, <laughs> especially in like prints and stuff like that. There are specific rules, yeah. you know. You see my not RGB, like be careful of those things. But yeah, the basics. The, the if you same. have the basics in you, it's so simple. It's gonna be alright. Yeah. And you can for sure pursue that career. Yeah, yeah. I would just honestly, the first thing I would say is like, be sure about your like mm. the basics. Know your basics. After that, it's like easy breezy. Like okay, not always, but it is easy breezy to just apply your yeah, the, thinking. Because the, then you don't have to really think about this. Cause you like. Oh yeah, I know how to set up a file for prints because it's this and that. So you just have that mental checklist. Mm. But then you then you free up your mind to be able to do everything else. Yeah. I think that's definitely something I would. Yeah, because because it's becoming like uh, second nature. Second nature and like okay, it's like that I know that and even sometimes like yeah, check once. Okay, it's fine. Move on. Yeah. Do the other thing. Yeah. That's quite interesting. So now imagine that. Everything related to design didn't exist at all. Like uh. something that <laughs> no one's doing. Like it doesn't exist. Would there what, be a world? Like, 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 like it's not something we that we wouldn't have cities. We wouldn't. Like, yeah, it's. I mean, I know it's hard. I know it's hard, <laughs> but something that design doesn't exist at all. And um, what would you do right now? What, what's like the, maybe the second thing that you like the most, or? Which thing that you are like, okay, be drive back that, maybe I will give it a shot. Unfortunately, I don't have a degree in it, but I would easily, like if I did have a degree in it, I think if I wasn't doing design right now, I would either be a therapist. Okay. Or I would uh, be a PT, like a fitness instructor, or own like a gym. Either of those two things, because those are the two other things I'm really interested in. Like psychiatry, like psychology, psychology. Psychology. <laughs> yeah, so psychology. And it was actually in t in high school. Uh, when you go to international schools, they give you like a it's called a Morrisby test. So if you're unsure what career you want to do, mm -hmm. they have this test that's uh, like yeah, external that yeah, your parents pay for, and then you like do it, and then it would like predict what you can go into, like what your interests are and stuff. And I mean, I just knew where I was going. So <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why am I doing this? Um, but it was great. So the other one that they said it was like it was either design <laughs> or psychology. It's so it's a good sign if design was there. So um. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean I did have doubts, but uh, yeah, no. So but then I just I also love sports and yeah. So I think it's definitely like either to be in some something that would require psychology. So I think I would also me and how I am as a person, especially with my friends and stuff. I definitely think I would be a therapist. Yeah. Um, because you're like a lot of related to human being. Yeah. If I can like wrap, <laughs> the, 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 the thing is that you always look at human. Yeah. Either the one that you know or you don't know because designing and so on. And that would be like the career that you can pursue. Let's say, okay, I we can say love human or at least love interaction and the fact that I human can interaction, yeah. interaction and how human are working, what's the being and so on, being in human and so on, so definitely something like that. Yeah, and or a PT, which is the same, it's about yeah. humans again. It's, it's the body, but also it's, I think as a PT, it's also like, 
how the other one is feeling about themselves you know like not only physically because you're like okay i want to be good in shape yeah but why yeah you know why do you do workout why do you want to i don't know do the abs every time because okay i have like a small frustration of my body at that specific part yeah but do you see like the full picture and so on and so on so it's always it's not only sport it's also psychology as you said so um so yeah it's quite interesting maybe I'll end up doing that huh? <laughs> maybe that one day I'll end up doing one of those two things rather than design <laughs> we'll see I think I'll definitely I definitely think I'm gonna be in design for a few more years but you never know you never know maybe no. suddenly there's the Nina's gym <laughs> somewhere <laughs> gym. in, in the, the the what like or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we'll see so um, we're coming closer to to the end uh, and I was wondering if there were like uh, if you were at my place right now, what question would you ask to yourself that I didn't? Ooh, that's, bad. that's an interesting one. Hmm. What question would I ask myself? Ones you didn't. I'm trying to think, cause I have like quite a few. I don't know. Quite. Few, you kind of nailed definitely like the main topics, but. I think maybe one would be like where do I see design going Mm -hmm. Um, or how do you always design because you always as a designer you always design for the future so how do you do that but then again I don't really have the answer for it. I don't it's, still uh, it's still it's a really good question like yeah because every time like even now when we work together it's I told you like those things I did a year ago yeah so I, I'm always do you see in a year yeah like how do I also predict that we won't be released then and then but I design it and mm. a system that would work in a year's time um and mm. but the, I think to answer that is really it is just knowledge based and again it's something that I can't really explain why or how I do it like like the quantifiable model or things like that I designed that years before mm-hmm. and like I just re- there's like a new thing that just got recently did, like released that I did four years ago you know but how do I protect how do you time travel in yeah, the future I, maybe I'm a time traveler uh, maybe I'm actually from the future uh, who knows who knows <laughs> you'll just have to figure that out yourself no but it is uh, I think nothing that's a big challenge in design is that Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, what are the, I think what are the main challenges in design? I think it's a good question. Which is creating something that lasts, creating something that's not designed as in like it's so well designed that it doesn't come off as designed, and knowing that it's not going to be released right away. Yeah. Some things are, some things just go straight into the market. But really, when you work with global brands, the pol- like the politics in those companies, there's no way it takes months. How can you come up with an idea that lasts so many years to then be released and still work in that market? Like, how do you see the market four years in advance? And how can you just predict, like, that's going to work? Yeah. Like, those are the challenges, like, the main challenges of a designer is nailing all these different elements, creating an end product that's not just functional, mm. uh, but it's also beautiful. Yeah. And I think the world would be a better place if, every, like, if everyone created something beautiful. 
Definitely. But functional as well, you know, like, <laughs> come on, we need to have the thought behind it. But I think it would be a beautiful place if everyone is creating just beautiful things. Mm, that's, that's really interesting because I also make the relationship with when I'm working as front-end developer, also a little bit of design, but that's yeah. not, not, not... I saw some of your designs, or you're, you're good. No, but I, I mean that it's not my, my main field, you know, like I, I have this sensibility. I've made design for other one before or other product before. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and the, 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 the question that you raise, like how it's going to look, I mean, how it's looking now, how you are working on it and you know that it's not going to be implemented until next year or two years or even never going to be implemented. Yeah. Uh, and that's also one of the things that uh, maybe not only as a designer, but also as any one uh, developer, uh, marketing, sales, whatever the field that uh, you give a hundred percent, but uh, don't forget that at some point, maybe that thing that you put everything on will not land somewhere. Yeah. And say, okay, I have to just step back a bit and say, okay, I know that I'm working full, fully on it, but... You may never see it. may never see it, and that's also part of the game, if I say. Yeah. It's frustrating first, for, for sure. Like, the, the first time it's happening, it's like, okay, I put everything, took me a week, a yeah. month, whatever, I give everything, I mean, uh, even the night I work really hard, really late and uh, whatever, even the weekend, whatever the time you were li like there in Neverland, or it's like, okay, we just go another direction because we p uh, pivot or whatever, mm. and you're like, okay, okay, that's rough at first, <laughs> and then you just start to learn that it's gonna happen yeah I think that's actually that's a great point because I think that's probably the one thing you don't learn before you start working um, especially as a designer is that because in, in design university or like growing up as a designer in high school and schooling systems they always think of it as like an emotional thing it's your project you know it's part of you and those things but when you start working I think this is the one main thing no one really teaches is that you have to let go emotionally you have to detach yourself from the work and learning to do that will save you so much because you're working for a client i think i always had like a structural like process in my brain like i already kind of knew about this when i was going into work uh like for the in, like in the industry and stuff like that but i think even though i was aware of it i think the first time when i'm like okay it hit me but because like they didn't really go for the exact like I did a few different concepts and they didn't go exactly where I really want them to go into. Mm. But I learned so quickly from that and I was like, why am I getting so emotionally torn up by this? Like it's not like it's fine. I have so many other ideas, and I just worked really hard then after to get ideas to get chosen. So I really worked hard for my concepts to get chosen. Yeah. And they did, which was just more amazing. And I kind of like. <laughs> My ego kind of floated on top of that, but I also learned to emotionally cut myself away from projects. I saw it as work rather yeah. than seeing it as like, this is my passion and stuff like that. I learned to separate the two. I could do stuff that I really wanted to. And I think that's also a misconception. And when you're learning design is that 
I, I learned that through studying neuroaesthetics and stuff like that and understanding that you're designing for the end consumer. It's not about you. No, no, for at sure. At all. It's about why are they going to purchase that? Like, purchase this or that? Like, how are they seeing it? Why are they going to feel uncomfortable looking at this visual? Because, oh yeah, you forgot to turn, like move the text like three millimeters to the left, you know? Like, why will they feel comfortable looking at this? It's because you set up this way. Or if they touch the body. Like, I started looking at it more into like, as work and rather than and seeing it as the end consumer then because i also you need to have a reason behind everything you do so like doing a brand and you choose a color blue we did one for a handbag company we chose blue because cobalt blue because the company's from asia and it has history mm. and that was the main things they were talking about in their brand story is history yeah and like quality and craftsmanship that's why we chose cobalt blue because it has history in the country, you know. So it's it's really just bringing more applied scientists, like science, um, scientific things, and really understanding, rather than being like, oh, I design. Like I think that's one thing I definitely. If someone I'm hiring, and if someone says, and I ask about what their project, if they're not a freelance or university project, anything like that. If I ask why did you choose this color, and they say. Oh, because I, I like it. I like it, yeah. That's media no for me. Yeah, yeah, and because uh, it that does no, it's not. Oh, because I like it, or I want to do it this way. No, when you start, work, it's really not that. I think that's you're saying that as you were touching upon, like yes, it hurts because maybe you're you've worked really hard on this idea and then it doesn't, you know, it doesn't get chosen yeah. or used. But you have like that's things. The first thing you need to learn to do is cut yourself emotionally away from your work. Well, we, no, but still have emotions for it, you know. You yeah, need, for sure. You I mean, still you can't take away that like creative emotionalness you have, but you just have to cr- take away the fact that you have to learn the fact that things may not be chosen, and you stop and you move on, change, go to the next. Okay, you have, you always have ideas. So just focus on not just one idea, but the fact that you have endless possibilities, and yeah. endless ideas. So when you focus on that, you don't get wrapped into like. Oh, but this is my only idea, and like I work so hard on it, and you get stressed, and like oh now, but now I have a creative block and stuff like that. It's just saying, okay, cool, that wasn't chosen. I wonder why it wasn't chosen. How can I make it better? What can I direction can I go in that would change it? Okay. And in design, you don't have like the in the industry, you don't really have the time <laughs> to get emotional and sad about things. You no. just kind of have to move. What What doesn't uh, kill you make you stronger? If you say yeah, K- kind of. It's, Something it's, like that. Yeah. It's It's really like. Okay, uh, you you need to be emotional for sure because it's I mean, you are selling emotions. Yeah. I mean that's how you sell stuff. It's with emotions. Yeah, with emotions. But you also need to just take a take a step back, look at it and say, okay, it wasn't chosen. Look at what's going on, how you can improve. What's yeah. the mistake that maybe you made? You know, maybe a basic one or maybe another one for any particular reason. And say okay, now it's knowledge. Yeah. I won't do the same either mistake or do or do other thing and yeah, yeah it's, from it. it's part of the experience you learn from that. Yeah. Okay, so um, for people listening, where can they find you? Yes, you can find me on my. I have a website which is uh, ninakhagen.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm also on social media, so Instagram, I'm Hogan Nina, and LinkedIn, I'm, also, I'm Nina Hogan. <laughs> they change very from place to place. Um, but yeah, if you go onto my website, there's the links to my other social media. I'm also on Pinterest. Okay. If people want to see my inspiration boards and see, like, tap into my brain and what I like of aesthetics, uh, it's a great place to go. 
And yeah, I think that's it on my... I mean, I have Facebook, but I never use it. <laughs> <laughs> millennial, I stopped. It's just the boomers on there now. <laughs> okay, boomer. <laughs> yeah. Okay, folks, I think it's a wrap. Thank you, Nina, for your time and your, the lovely chat we had together. Uh, it was really great, and I'm glad that you were the first guest of uh, SciCast. Thank you for having me. It's been a great show. I'm sorry I ramble a lot, so hope it wasn't boring for everyone. <laughs> okay, so next time we'll talk about learning a new language in your 30s. Uh, we will dive in my experience of learning Japanese when you're not in the beginning of your life. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, share it on social network, and so on. Cheers! <laughs> <laughs>